This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio Cars. Like most of you, I drive a car or a truck. Well, occasionally, I need tires or just a simple plug or patch. Well, my friends down at Just Tires is the place to go when that need arises. Give them a call at 727-585-9271. They have a convenient location right at 1645 Clearwater Largo Road. You can't miss them. So for all your tire needs, cars, trucks, trailers, new, used, or just a repair, give Just Tires a call. 727-585-9271. Oh, yeah, and be sure and check out their website, JustTires.net. Do you ever feel the need for speed? Well, experience the thrill of indoor karting at Tampa Bay Grand Prix, located at 12350 Automobile Boulevard in Clearwater. Call 727-527-8464. They have state-of-the-art electric carts racing around a quarter-mile road circuit. Bring your family, friends, and teammates for some speed, fun, and competition at Tampa Bay Grand Prix Indoor Karting Facility. Call 727-527-8464. Visit their website at tampabaygp.com. What's up? What's up? Huh? You guys are running 120. Your little lights are flashing all over the place. That's what's up. We got a patient in there. You were still speeding. Uh, she's uh, she's very sick. Oh. Well, there's not a hospital within 50 miles of this place. Where are you headed? UCLA. UCLA. UCLA Medical Center. L.A. California. Uh, now, this is going to sound like a dumb question, but if she's that sick, why didn't you fly her? Why didn't we fly her? I'm just a driver. We have to ask the doc. No. That's a good idea. Why don't we ask the doc? Sorry. 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 What's going on here? What is this crude interruption? Uh, the, the patient, uh, why can't she be flown to California? Sis, on the walls of her lungs. Very rare. You see, airplanes are only pressurized at 10,000 feet. Now, anybody knows anything about medicine knows that she can't fly. She has to be driven. Oh, we couldn't even go through Denver, it's so high. Tell him to go back and pick up Mr. Foyt. Is that lady all right? She's in great pain. Cause her to make certain delirious... <laughs> Sounds like she's on something to me. Well, let me explain something to you. We have to get the senator's wife to California in 72 hours. You understand what I'm saying? We have... We have to get the senator's wife to California in 72 hours. We're very close. Well, as long as you're in New Jersey, I want you fellas to take it easy. You got that? We sure do. Thanks a lot. Get this rig out of here. I'm glad there's no cupcakes like that in New Jersey. You haven't met my brother-in-law, Ralph. <laughs> I thought that cop was going to have a cardiac arrest when we said we were going to California. <laughs> Wasn't beauty terrific? The lady was splendid. She should have her picture on the cover of the AMA Journal. I'm sure that doctor's a very sweet man, basically. Ah, oh, thanks. But don't you ever tell me where you found him. Ever. Hi, this is Ed Eskandarian here, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome, and you are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And uh, another one of my favorite clips from the old days with Burt Reynolds, Cannonball Run, and Don DeLuise. That was a pretty good movie. Hey, Bill, how you doing tonight? Don't you know that I'm loving you, baby? Oh, you really get into the Itagata DeVita thing here tonight, huh? That's the beauty of live radio. We can get away with anything, kind of. I'm telling you, you need those guys from the Moonshiners show. The Moonshiner show? Hi, I drink moonshine, and I'd like to drive cars. Because they drove fast cars when they were delivering the moon, whatever, you know, back in the days, right? It was high-octane fuel is what it was. No, no it, it, <laughs> get, get, I'll get one on. Okay, we'll get one on. And you, got, uh, you say you got the picker guy coming on? Yeah, actually, I ran into Mike and Frank over the weekend, but uh, I was actually down in South Florida because I had to go to one of the auctions. And while I was down there, I was kind of diddy-bopping in the place that we were staying at. They were there, so... We got to hang out for a few minutes and talk and chat and stuff like that. And they were on a pick. So they were filming. So they were having a good time. So we're looking forward to having Mike Wolf and uh, Mr. Uh, Fritz on. 
So at any rate, hey, I'm your host, Robert. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see my smiley, happy face waving in this amazing studio that we have here at the Tantalk Radio Studios. Right, Billy? And, of course, be sure and check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. And Actually, you're not talking. You're just moving your lips like is, you usually do. Is that what it is? This thing's not on. Hello? Hello? Did you trick me again? Is that what it was? Jeez. It's so funny. That's so funny. <laughs> you got to tell people behind the thing. <laughs> anyway, that's live radio. What can I say? Well, sometimes it's live. When you have the switch on, I guess. I'm not sure. But anyway. So, anyway, yeah. Go check out our Nostalgic Radio and Car page. And our stuff page on Gulfstream Motorsports, and be sure and buy one of our shirts. We have a few shirts left. And, of course, sitting behind me here, hanging behind me, is this amazing banner that we have that was done by our friend Dougie over at the sign shop. So he's on our website. You can go check out his information and get his phone number and call him. Be sure to run to Facebook and like us. Love us. Give us a big on Facebook. Okay? That's the big thing now. We're not, on a, we're not tweeting yet. I'm not sure if we will. I just don't know. Don't know enough about all that social media stuff yet. But anyway, we got a real interesting show for you tonight. We got a great, great, fascinating, legendary guy coming on. And just before that, I've got a friend of mine from uh, North Florida coming on because there's an event at Silver Springs. It's an all Ford show coming up at Silver Springs, and it's the annual. I guess it's been going on for a number of years because I've been going there on. I've been going there so long, I lost count. Billy, you're. I just read your lips. Does that mean you? Is this thing on? Or do you? T- Hello? Hello? This- I just like how you said annual. Annual? Yeah, you said it a different way. I did. I say that annual. You said, yeah. You said it the other. No, funny, no, 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 funny no, 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 Hey, come on, kid. This is a family show, okay? <laughs> anyway, what do we got on the turntable? We got something cool lined up on the turntable. There we go. We'll be right back. I was taking a trip out to L.A. Tooling along in my Chevrolet, talking on the number and digging on the radio. Just as I crossed the Mississippi line, I heard that highway start to whine, and I knew that left rear tire was about to go. Well, the spare was flat, and I got up tight, cause there wasn't a filling station in sight, so I just limped on down the shoulder on the rim. I went as far as I could when I stopped the car. It was right in front of this little bar, kind of a redneck-looking joint called the Dewdrop Inn. Well, I stuffed my hair up under my hat and told the bartender that I had a flat. Would he be kind enough to give me change for a one? Well, there was one thing I was sure proud to see. There wasn't a soul in the place except for him and me, and he just looked disgusted and pointed toward the telephone. I called up a station down the road a ways, and he said he wasn't very busy today, and he could have somebody there in just about ten minutes or so. He said, now you just stay right where you're at, and I didn't bother to tell the darn fool that I sure as hell didn't have any place else to go. I just ordered up a beer and sat down at the bar when some guy walked in and said, who owns this car with the peace sign and the mag wheels and four on the floor? My name's Carol Shelby, and performance is my business. Hey, listeners. This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And, uh, hey, you know what? i got one of my buddies on the line right now, and this is a guy I've known for a long time. And, uh, actually, I met his dad a long, long, long time ago, back in the days when I was a grungy little high school kid, and I had a 57 Thunderbird hot rod. And uh, so we've been kind of friends on and off for a long time. But it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show this evening 
one of the big sponsors of the Silver Springs All Ford Show, and that is the Vice President of National Parts Depot, Rick Schmidt. Rick, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How are you doing, Robert? Pretty good. Welcome to the show. And how are things going up in Ocala? Uh, things are coming together real well. Uh, the, the weather gods uh, are smiling on us uh, thus far. So uh, we're looking forward to a good event. Super. So tell everybody a little bit about uh, Silver Springs and the Ford Show and how it came into its inception a little bit. I mean, I'm familiar with it, but you're the star of the show this evening, so go ahead. Well, the show wasn't uh, started by me. It was actually a uh, effort by a group of guys who belonged to the Mid-Florida Mustang Club that uh, was out of Orlando. And I think I showed up for the second or third annual show that they did at Silver Springs. And I'd never been to Silver Springs before, but uh, I immediately was uh, was struck by what a great place that was to hold a car show, and also disappointed that uh, here's this enormous park with uh, maybe 50 or 60 cars plopped in the middle of it. <laughs> and uh, so immediately, I, I, I engaged in conversation with the guys about how we could make it bigger. Uh, my dad, in the past, had 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 this idea. He was trying to support our local uh, uh, antique, our AACA chapter in Gainesville, because they used to have a hard time getting anybody to, to show out for their car shows. So he said, I'll tell you what, I'll pay for all the expenses. Just make the uh, entry fee free. And next thing you know, he's got 200, 300 cars coming to his car show. Go figure. So I, I kind of popped that idea into those guys' brains, and, they, and I also got uh, in contact with the uh, head of marketing at Silver Springs at the time, and I said, you know, if we just let these people come for free, you'll be amazed at how, many, how big this show will get and how many cars will get into the park. So sure enough, I came in as a major sponsor and started uh, splitting the bills with Silver Springs, and uh, and the show just started growing exponentially. And as it got bigger, it became more of a burden than the club members who started it uh, were really uh, ready for. And it seemed like each year, uh, more and more of the show was uh, and it was coming towards me and National Parts Depot to handle the administration of until about seven or eight years in, uh, we pretty much you know took the whole show over. And, and at this point, NPD just uh, administrates and puts on the entire show. Uh, we host the whole thing. Uh, uh, Silver Springs mows the grass and makes sure that they've got all the food uh, vendors ready for us, but we pretty much bring the entire show to them. Super. Now, how many cars do you anticipate this year? Well, we've got uh, just shy of 1,700 cars pre-registered. Um, that doesn't mean we'll have 1,700 cars day of show because uh, we we cap the free the free package, the free registration at the first thousand cars, mm -hmm. and that causes a little bit of an attrition. There's two dynamics to that: the people who get in underneath that thousand car threshold, they don't have any skin in the game. If they wake up Saturday morning with a hangover, eh, I won't go to the show. I didn't pay for it anyhow. You, you follow me? Gotcha. And then the guys who get their uh, their their card their confirmation card back and find out that they are over a thousand and they're going to have to pay twenty one dollars to get into the show, which isn't a whole lot of money for a show these days. But even still, they get kind of annoyed that they didn't get in for free, and some of them don't sh don't show up. Uh, history tells me that we're probably going to have between a uh, thousand and eleven hundred cars at the show, which is still a, a mighty strong showing of Mustangs and Fords. That's super. Um, so now, some of the what are some of the featured cars that are going to be there this year? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> it's, new stuff comes and surprises me every uh, year. I know for a fact that I've seen, I noticed a couple of uh, of genuine Boss 429 Mustangs that are going to be uh, on the uh, show field. I've got some very significant early uh, Shelby Mustangs that will be there. Um, we're going to there's a there's a huge concert concert stage at Silver Springs uh, that looks like a mansion and we always put cars on the mansion stage and since Carol Shelby passed this year we're kind of going to do a Shelby Mustang tribute up on the stage for him so uh, if any of your listeners are into Shelby Mustangs we'll have a, a, a huge grouping of them up on the stage uh, of all different years and varieties. Super. Well, his birthday is actually uh, Friday so he he would have been ninety years old on Friday. Oh really? Yeah. Really. 
that one passed me by. So, so that'd be kind of cool. So we can maybe do it. And the reason I say that is because a, I'm a big Shelby guy myself. I'm also one of the state reps for the Shelby Club and mm-hmm. an avid collector. But uh, that's good. So uh, actually, you guys could probably do some sort of a tribute thing. Besides that, you know, just kind of mention the fact that it was his birthday, which I'm sure yeah. everybody knows. Yeah, but. yeah, we will do that. It's it, it's a two day show, um, and uh, we do all the awards and announcements, and we'll definitely say something about that on Sunday afternoon when we pass everything out and uh and it's not a parking lot show you know just in case nobody's ever been there we actually do this we pull the cars into the park this it's it's in the gardens it's on the grounds it's all through the entire park yeah and then people if they want to like say for example all our car guys and you know we hang out there and but if you have wives and children they can still take advantage of the complete park correct that's why it's such a great venue Mm -hmm. because you're not uh held hostage you're not prisoner to a parking lot um you can you can hang out uh, you can go uh, feed animals you can go on a glass bottom boat ride you can go uh, watch them uh, you know the alligator feedings that they have on the other side of the park there's jeep rides there's a lot of things for the family to do so if you've got younger kids um they they'll get bored two or three hours into a show and then what do you do there's there's tons of stuff to do at silver springs that's what makes it so great mm-hmm. um now, you have, uh, at National Parts Depot, your family has an amazing collection of cars. Are you bringing over anything in particular, besides the Black Boss 429? Uh, I'm not bringing that one this year. You're not? Because there's other, there's other bosses showing up, so okay. I'm going to give mine a, a, a year off. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, I always try to bring about a half dozen cars uh, over there, and, and I switch it up every year to keep it a little, you know, to, to, to keep it fresh. Um, since I'm doing the Shelby display, I'm going to have my 68 GT500 KR uh, fastback on the stage that was actually my mom's daily driver back in the 70s. I remember that car. Yeah, yeah the dark green car. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we just restored that freshly about a year ago, and it turned out just magnificent. So that'll look good up there. Um, I'm bringing, oh, I'm trying to remember. I'm bringing a really trick, uh, freshly restored 58 Ford Skyliner. Okay. Uh, a uh, dark red 69 uh, Lincoln Continental Mark III that only has 3,600 original miles on it. Um, bringing a 74 Cougar that has, it, it's too long to tell the story of it. It's called Chauncey's Cougar. Uh, suffice it to say, it's autographed from stem to stem to Stern with about 110 autographs, all back done in 1973, uh, signed by Muhammad Ali and Lucille Ball and the whole cast of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Really? Telly Savalas. That's a cool car. That was a charity effort that was done back uh, in 1973. Um, oh, uh, I've got a, a fully loaded uh, a 428 Cobra Jet 1970 Mustang Sport Roof triple black car. It's kind of a sleeper because it's mm-hmm. not a Mach 1 that I'm going to take. Um and there's one or two others. I can't remember them all right now. I gave a list to my guy back in the shop, and uh, and he's making sure that we've got uh, charged batteries and full gas tanks. Well, that's great. Well, looking forward to that. Now, National Parts Depot. You wanted to plug National Parts Depot, and do you, what's what's the latest and greatest people can expect out of there? Because you guys are not only just Ford guys, but you got GM and you got Pontiac, Camaro. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well. Our latest and greatest is we just finally uh, two weeks ago uh, received from the printer and launched our brand new uh, '64 through '72. Uh, GTO Le Mans Tempest catalog. And we've been promising that now. We've been saying coming soon for three and a half years to the point where it was a bit of embarrassing, but uh, we finally got it done. It's it, it, We've got the parts online. We've got them in the catalog. We have them in stock. It's it's a fully functional uh, lineup now, so we're real excited about that. And the catalog came out beautiful. Um, we're also starting to uh, trickle uh, in the next month or two, you're gonna not gonna. It's not gonna be a full selection, but it's going to be a decent selection of uh, parts for uh, for Mopar fans as well. Mopar uh, really from '62 all the way up through the mid '70s. Uh, hmm. We bought out a uh, an existing Mopar parts dealer a year or so ago, and it's just been a, a a matter of just organizing what he had so that we could get it all photographed and uh, get it online, and then uh, as uh, we're gonna work for the next few years to actually embellish on top of that and flesh it out even better to where we'll be a serious, you know, a serious full-line player in the Mopar market and not just playing around with it. Um, we're working on Chevy truck right now, and then, of course, we've got our existing lines. We're the, we're the biggest in the country for the old classic Mustangs, and uh, we do uh, 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 67 through 81 Camaro and Firebird and 64 uh, up through 1987 for the Chevelle El Camino Malibu family of cars. 
the little two-seater Thunderbirds that you used to buy parts from us mm-hmm. yep. for. Is, uh, we'll, we'll always have that. That's just kind of a steady-as-she-goes market because uh, the owners of those cars aren't getting any younger, and most of them have been restored. But we still uh, we still take care of those customers with red carpet treatment. Well, that's super. So, uh, if you so, notice, my logo is a 57 Thunderbird, by the way. It's a, it's a gasser. So yes, a- <laughs> yes. I like that. <laughs> so... But anyway, all right, well, that's good. Now, outside of Silver Springs, is there any other big show that you guys kind of get behind throughout the year? Uh, we get behind the, uh, I don't have dates in front of me, so but uh, we do get behind the Mustangs and Mustangs event that happens at uh, Kermit Weeks uh, Air Museum that's okay. kind of uh, midway between uh, Orlando and Tampa mm-hmm. on I-4. I believe that's coming up in, in February or early March. Okay. I could be wrong on that, but uh, but that's coming. That's that's a big one coming up. Um, we uh, that's all. That's all I can. That's all that really comes to mind <laughs> over the next uh, few months. Okay. Well, I put a lot as of far that's... as local stuff that your that your listeners will be able to to visit to attend. Well, that's great. That now that you've kind of broadened out with you know with the with the Ford and the GM stuff, and obviously the small bird stuff. The... Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now Mopar. So that means nobody has to drive to uh, Georgia anymore. We can just drive two hours up to Ocala, and we got it covered. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, we, we just uh, finished two years ago another 200,000-square-foot expansion of our warehouse. So we've got 360,000 square feet just here in Florida alone. That's not counting our other warehouses in the other three states that we do business in, um, which is uh, North Carolina, Michigan, and California. So we've got seven acres of restoration parts in stock, and that's and it's, we're getting to be kind of a dying breed in this industry. So many people are going to this dropship model where if you actually drove up to the counter and wanted to look at parts, they shrugged their shoulders and said, "Ah, we'll dropship it to you, but we don't have it here. And uh, we'll never do that. We've, you know, we, we export too much, too much stuff around the world, and you can't sell out of an empty warehouse to people who need to have all their parts in one box because of the expense of freight. So, right. So we're a full a full service stocking warehouse and and yeah we, it's uh, I, I guarantee a you know a Tampa St Petersburg resident every day is at our counter uh, picking up large sheet metal and stuff so that they can save on freight and so that they can inspect the parts and look at them before they uh, before they buy it and head home. Wow. Well, Rick, I want to thank you for taking a few minutes to come on the show. I will definitely tell everybody I know about Silver Springs this weekend, and I will be there, and you will be there. And if anybody needs some hot rod parts, I shouldn't say hot rod parts, restoration parts for their Ford GM or Chrysler, uh, be sure and check out my friends up at uh, National Parts Depot. So, uh, Rick, we'll see you up there this weekend. Yes, yes. Look me up. I'll buy you a beer. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks. All right. Hey, we got a couple announcements real quick. There's some shows coming up. Obviously, next week is the big uh, Bear Jackson. we got Silver Springs, obviously, this weekend. Meekum's coming up. It starts at the end of next week. Oh, yeah. And time for a radio giveaway. I got two sets of tickets to give away this evening for the Meekum Collector Car Auction in Kissimmee starting next weekend. So give us a call here at the studio, 727-441-3000. That's 727-441-3000. The ninth caller and the 11th callers will win two pairs of tickets to go to Kissimmee next week to the Meekum Collective Car Auction. As a matter of fact, next week I will give away some more tickets, and the week after that I've got more tickets to give away. So keep tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars for your chance to win some tickets to the Meekum Collective Car Auction. The 24-hour race is at the end of the month, and then the Kaiser Dever Show, which used to be at the Sarasota Square Mall, okay, has now been moved to the airport down at Venice, okay? So I have a lot of that information on my website. We're going to go to a commercial here real quick, and we're going to bring our next guest on. And stick around, because this is the most amazing, fascinating, legendary gentleman coming on in a few minutes. We'll be right back. If you like golf, enjoy affordable golf at Magnolia Valley Golf Club, located on Massachusetts Avenue in Newport Ritchie. Play for as little as $15 after 2 p.m. The club has two beautiful courses to choose from, an 18-hole championship par 72, plus another 9-hole executive par 33. Join their open leagues on Wednesday afternoons at 4 and Sunday mornings at 8. Call 727-847-2342 for tee times or visit their website, magnoliavalleygolfclub.com. Hey, 
Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years experience with classic, vintage, sport, and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsport 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, AM 1340. Well, you can do anything but take me over my blue suede shoes. Well, you can knock me down, step in my face, sign my name all over the place. Well, do anything that you want to do, but not, uh, honey, lay off them shoes. And don't you step on my blue suede shoes. Well, you can do anything but take me over my blue suede shoes. Let's go, cat. We'll all calm down. Oh, he's just a little excited. I know, I know. I'm going to use good judgment. I haven't lost my temper in 40 years. But Pilgrim, you caused a lot of trouble this morning. Might have got somebody killed. And somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. But I won't. I won't. The hell I won't. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, okay? And, hey, you know what? Not only is it Carol Shelby's birthday that will be the day after tomorrow on the 11th, and he would have been 90 years old if he'd still be here with us, which he is in spirit, but uh, yesterday was Elvis Presley's birthday, and he would have been, what, 78, I guess, right, Billy? Something like that. So that's cool. Anyway, all right, well, I hope to see everybody at Silver Springs this weekend. I had my good friend Rick Schmidt on from National Parts Depot, and that's the place you want to go. If you need parts for your cars, because that's typically where I go, as a matter of fact. But anyway, it's time to introduce our special feature guest for the evening. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show this evening the legendary and amazing engine builder. I mean, this guy's just got a record that's just incredible. I mean, it spans from drag racing, salt flat cars, road racing, just, just an incredible story. Andy cars, and I'm honored to have him on our show. Ed Pink, welcome to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Thank you very much, Robert. You know, uh, looking at the list of people you've had on the show in the previous years uh, and the previous uh, uh, programs, it's going to be a tough act to follow, but I'll do the best I can. No, you're right up there with the rest of them. You you belong up there. You are a legendary person, and, I mean, we all should pay homage to you because you've done an amazing job in the motorsports world, you know, and one of the original pioneers. I mean, it's great. Well, you know, the thing is this, that a lot of times we say we're a legend in our own minds. But, uh, no, I've been very fortunate. Uh, I've had a long career. You know, I got started right uh, at the start of things here in in California, at the Dry Lakes in California, and then went on to Bonneville and drag racing and and Indy cars and sports cars and midgets and sprint cars and Silver Crown and uh, off-road truck racing and uh, even got into drifting so, you know, I, I've i been very fortunate, you know, and, and I think one of the things that's made it so fortunate for me is the fact that uh, we've been involved with really top drivers, car owners, and mechanics because, you know, it's a whole package, and if you don't have – if one piece of that package is missing, uh, you, you don't go anywhere. Well, that's definitely the, – there's there's a lot of truth to that. Matter of fact, when I was talking to Carol Shelby many, many years ago, and I've known him, you know, not real well, but I've known him over the years, and that was the one thing that he always used to say is, it wasn't me, it was my team. The people that I had working around me, you find the best that you can, and you have to be passionate about what you do, which I'm sure you can agree with that. Yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, you know, I agree with it 100% because I, you know, I, all my life, I try to surround myself with good people. Because you're only as good as your weakest link. And right. uh, at my place of business that I started in 1957, uh, I, I try to hire people that are smarter than me. Uh, I, I don't have an ego where i got to be the smartest guy there. Uh, I, I've got, you know, the people that work for me are really good at what they do. They're really uh, 
good technicians. Uh, my engineer's been with me 33 years. Uh, the fellow that runs the engine department's been there 32 years. Uh, our head uh, R&D machinist has been there like 15 years. So everybody has been there a long time, uh, and they're good at what they do. And like I say, I, when I go to hire somebody, I want to hire somebody smart. I'm looking to hire somebody where I can shadow, overshadow them. That, that, that isn't the way to be successful. When you first got started, you know, back in the day, now, about what time did you, and how old were you when you first started kind of hot rodding, getting in the cars and the hot rodding scene? Well, I first got started in 1947, 1946, and it was, you know, a very low-key deal. Uh, I had a 1927 Model T. It was completely stocked that uh, I drove, and I was very fortunate uh, that when I first got started, I started with Lou Bainey, uh, who had a speed shop in uh, southwest Los Angeles, and it was called Hot Rod Heaven, and uh, it was a Golden Eagle gas station, and in the front was a, was a little uh, shed where you go in to, where the cash register is and the little office, and then out in front was two gas pumps, and in the back was the separate building was the male and female toilets. Huh. And being we we didn't have any females working for us, uh, we took the commode, the sink out of the woman's toilet, and we made that our speed shop. And it barely had room for loose toolbox and my toolbox. So during the day, the toolboxes were in the yard, and that's where I kind of got my start working for Lubaney. No kidding. That's an interesting story. That's cool. Now, when, yeah, I, yeah. How, old were, how old were you? Were like, were you like sixteen, like everybody else back in the day? And no, at that point, I think I was uh, when I went to work for Lou as an apprentice. Uh, I was seventeen years old. Okay. And you know, a funny story. I remember uh, I'd worked for him for about a year, and I was working for him after schools and on the weekends because I was I was still in high school. And uh, there was a fellow by the name of Lewis Hockman that did a, a book on hot rods. And it was one of the first books that got done, and it was it was done in the, in the late 40s. And uh, he did a, a story on Lubaney's Hot Rod Heaven because Eskandarian used to come there all the time, and all the Harry Weber and all those people. And I worked, and I was basically, I was an apprentice working, working for him. And when the journalist did the story and it came out in print in this little book, it had me as the star mechanic at Lou Bainey's speed shop. <laughs> and I was far from a star mechanic, but the only thing is I was the only mechanic. Oh, okay. Well, that's neat. That's a cool story, too. Now, who, yeah. was, who were some of you, besides Bainey, who were some of your mentors back then? I mean, or when I say mentors, I mean, who were some of the people that you kind of like, uh, you know, looked up to a little bit, you know, in the, in the hot rod world back then? They were kind of inspirational well, to you. Yeah, well, there there were quite a few of them. I mean, Lou was the first one, but after that was Vic Edelbrock Sr., Bobby Meeks that worked at Edelbrock, uh, Don Toll that worked at Edelbrock, uh, Fran Hernandez that worked at Edelbrock, and then Fran later uh, went on to Ford Motor Company and uh, was very responsible in getting the drag racing program going with Ford and with uh, Lincoln Mercury. Uh, then uh, in later years, uh fellow by the name of Chicky Hiroshima, was a, a very big mentor, and and also Eddie Meyer, okay, and a fellow by the name of Frank Barron, and you know, so I've I've been really fortunate that I've had some of the best people in the industry as my coach, my teacher, my friend, my mentor, or however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. Was Alex Exidius in that group too? I knew Alex, uh, but he was at the time he was busy running his speech shop in Burbank. He and I knew each other, but we weren't friends. There was, I mean, there was no reason we weren't friends. It's just that he, he was, uh, I think he's about 10 years older than I am. And, uh, and I was just getting going and he was trying to get his speech shop going. And I, I remember when he had, when he opened up SoCal speech shop there in Burbank, California, uh, he had a speech shop and I think he had one guy working for him and he had no inventory. So if, if somebody came into his shop and they wanted to say an Edelbrock two carburetor manifold, uh, he'd sell it to them. They leave a deposit, and then when they leave, he'd get in his car 
and he'd drive from Burbank to Jefferson Boulevard to get the manifold and come back, and then the customer would come in the next day and pick up his manifold. <laughs> okay. Because those were the days, you know, when he and the rest of them were getting started, there, there wasn't a huge influx of money. So you, you had to do it the best way you could, and that was a very innovative way that uh, Alex handled his inventory. When you first got started, you were working primarily on flatheads and stuff? First got started, yep. We were working on Ford flatheads. And uh, then in 1955, when the uh, Chevrolet came out with the V8, we went to that. And then uh, we came out, then when we got into into the uh, dragster drag racing, then we got into the, uh, the Chrysler Hemi, the 331, the 354, and then the 392, and then later on with the 426. When the 392 came out, how and well, even when you went made the transition from the from the flathead to the to the small block Chevrolet, was that a huge deal for you guys back in those days? I mean, was that like revolutionary? Yes, was it? Yeah, when you went from the when you went from the flathead to the Chevrolet, that was that was a big deal because you're you're going from an L head engine uh, into an overhead uh, valve engine, and uh, the whole approach was different. Uh, it was, it, was a, it was a pretty good learning curve. Uh, when we went from gasoline for a fuel to alcohol, it was a pretty steep learning curve. And then we went to nitro was another learning curve. Uh, I remember with the flat, it, uh, at one particular junction, I was running a uh, supercharged flathead. It was a stock born stroke, 239 cubic inches. It had a, a 371 GMC blower on it, and back then, I remember this is like 1950. Uh, it made on straight alcohol. It made 285 horsepower, and we put 25 uh, percent nitro in it, and it uh, jumped up to about 315. Then we put 33 and a third percent nitro, and it jumped up to around, I believe, it was around 335, 340. And then we put 50 percent nitro in it. And the next thing it did is it put the rods on the ground. <laughs> okay. So so we stayed away from 50% nitro. Because back in, in that day, uh, Fred Carrillo, who started Carrillo Rods, was racing his own car. So he, he wasn't making connecting rods. So you, you ran the rod that came in the engine, and those rods just weren't strong enough, no matter what you did to them. Uh, so we just, uh, in that engine, we stayed away from 50% nitro. I think we finally ended up 33 and a third percent nitro was as much as we put in the engine. And, and then you had to be careful because it uh, would break things. When you guys, what about what time did people start playing around with the, experimenting rather, with, with different fuels? When did that come about? Is that something that came out of aviation too, by the way? Yes, it did. Uh, I think the first one that I know of that experimented with fuels was Edelbrock and the Midget. Okay. And uh, Vic had a uh, Midget, and he had some of the top drivers drive it. Uh, uh, Roger Ward drove it. Uh, Perry Grimm drove it. But it had a V860 in it. And the V860 on alcohol was not a match for the Offie. And Fran Hernandez and Vic ran across somebody that I'm, I, I, I'm not sure of who it exactly it was, but it was somebody from, it was either the model airplane business or automotive business, but they introduced him to nitro and uh, they experimented with the nitro on the dyno and they got the engine to run really well with it. And they went to Turkey night, which at that time was run at Gilmore stadium. And uh, Perry Grimm, I believe was driving the car and uh, in the main event, they were all offies, but one V860 Ford Flathead, which was uh, Vicks, and they had nitro in it, and they won that race. That's, To my knowledge, that's the only major race a Flathead V860 had ever won, but one of the reasons was that they had nitro, and that brought the power level of the engine up and a little bit better than the offie was. Now, the Offenhauser motors really weren't... They used basically. They were based on the Ford, but they just had a different set of heads. Is that the way it was, or was it an Offenhauser? No, specific no. The Offie was a complete uh, ground-up engine. It was one that uh, uh, Offenhauser built, Myron Drake, and it was a four-cylinder, okay. all aluminum block, aluminum head, uh, overhead cams. So I mean, it was for that period. It was a state-of-the-art engine, and then they they also. Uh, Built a little bit larger cubic inch engine. They ran in sprint cars. 
and then that engine, uh, a little bit larger, uh, I believe at the Speedway in Indianapolis, it was 270 inches, and it dominated the Indianapolis for many years. Okay. The um, so it, it, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it, it was the Offy was a purpose-built engine. Okay, it was a purpose-built. Okay, so like the, didn't Miller make an engine too back in the old days too? That was kind of well, the, yeah. did, these all basically came out of like the IndyCar field, so to speak. Isn't that true? Yes. Okay. Yes, um, Miller. Miller did is his Miller's first engine. In fact, we have one at the shop now that uh, we're doing for Tom Malloy, the current owner of Ed Pink Racing Engines. But it's it's one of the first Millers. It's a basically it's a Ford flathead V8 with all of Miller's components: his intake manifold, and water pump, and and drive system on the front of the engine. But basically, it's a it's like a the engine it would be. In a 1936 Ford Flathead, okay, is what it is. What it is that was Miller's first engine. It was he basically took the Ford Flathead and then made the components around and the accessories for it. And then as he went, he then he's when he did his own engine, which eventually uh, was basically the Opie. Okay, when did you make the jump on your own, and when did Pink, you know, engines come about? When did that stall start? Well, let's see. I opened my first business in 57, okay. and uh, it was more or less a specialty engine shop and a repair shop. And uh, in 1961 is when it became Ed Pink Racing Engines. Uh, I was had, my, had a little shop in Los Angeles, and I had three customers, Tony Nancy, Tommy Ivel, and John Masmanian. Oh, wow. And I wasn't... I wasn't building their engines. I was doing their machine work for them. And it, and Tony uh, was kind of a one-man band, so anything that I did for him, I had to go to Sherman Oaks and pick it up and then bring it to Los Angeles and do it and then bring it back to him. Ivo had his mother, and uh, his mother would bring everything. And, there were, and she had an old Cadillac, and there were times that she'd come to my shop, and the back end of the Cadillac would virtually be dragging on the ground. <laughs> she'd have so many cylinder blocks cylinder heads in the back and uh masmanian they they would deliver the stuff and pick it up but finally it got to be too big a hassle going from southwest los angeles to the valley and tony said to me he says you know i got a shop writer he had a little, little industrial section there where he had his upholstery shop interior shop and kent fuller had a shop and a fellow named wayne ewing had a shop there he you know, was a tin man he built beautiful aluminum bodies and uh, he had an opening he says i got a shop here why don't you uh rent the shop and then you're close to all of us so that 1961 is when i moved to uh sherman oaks and opened up a, a shop right across from tony and and uh, it didn't take long when that shop just got too small for me to operate in. And then I uh, ended up moving to the shop we're at now in 1965, and we've been there ever since. And that shop is about 15,000 square feet, where Tony's was, I think, maybe a 1,000. Huh, that's cool. When, what engine, what was it that you did that really put you on the map? What engine, what, what, uh, what, what, what was the, uh, the, the big... Uh big event in, in, in Ed Pink's career that put you on the map, so to speak, where you became the engine builder? I would say that it probably uh, happened in probably 1964. Uh, that's when I got teamed up with Don Long, and uh, he had an idea on a what, what I would consider a revolutionary-type dragster. It was a front-engine dragster, but it was a very light car, and, and just the whole... The guy, Don Long, is an aeronautical engineer, and when he builds something... We, he puts parts where they need to be. He doesn't just build it and just weld pipe together and trying to make it as strong as he can. Uh, Don Long was a very, uh, very smart individual, and he figured out how to build the car and have it do what it needs to do as far as uh, traction to the ground and, and so forth. And uh, anyway, we teamed up, and uh, we built a 392 Chrysler for it, and nobody uh, Mike Snively drove it. And the car was very successful. We won a lot of races with it. Uh, uh, one of the big things is that uh, it uh, was very, very dependable. We had very, very minimal engine problems with it. And because at the time, I'm trying to establish a name for myself. And we won a lot of races. And people started looking at us. And uh, then we got in. Then we did. Uh, and at that time, uh, Lou Bainey, uh, the fellow I started with, uh, had a Ford agency in Los Angeles, 
and he had a, uh, a dragster that Tom McEwen was driving. It had a Chrysler in it, and we started doing the engines, and the first race that we did the engines for was a hot rod magazine meet at Riverside, California, and Tom won the race. It was probably one of the first big races that he'd won, so that helped a lot, and... Uh, then Lou decided that being he owned a Ford agency that he'd like to run a Ford engine, and he put together a deal with Ford to where he was going to run the new 427 single overhead cam engine. And uh, they were very interested in me in doing the engine. I went back to Detroit, and uh, at the time, uh, Connie Coetta was doing the Ford camera engine, and he was successful with it, and also Pete Robinson, and he was successful. But these are individuals that weren't in the engine business, and Ford was looking for somebody to do the engines, to be able to make them available to other people that wanted to race a Ford. And that's where I came in, because I was in the engine business and had an engine shop and was a legitimate engine builder. So we got the program with Ford, and Lou got the program with Ford, and we started doing the, the Ford camera uh and uh, McEwen drove it to start with, and then later on, uh, Lou got a Don Long car, and at that time, uh, he had uh, contacted Don Perdome, and Don Perdome started driving the car, and the car was an instant success, and uh, we went to the Spring Nationals in 1967 with it in Bristol, Tennessee, and uh, Don won the race, uh, set low ET, and all four of his rounds were in the six-second bracket, which is the first time that had ever happened uh, at, a, at a national NHRA race. So that, that helped. So there was, there was just so many pieces of the puzzle that went along that, that helped establish uh, our company, you know, as, as, a, uh, as a, record, a company to be reckoned with. That, you know, but again, it gets back to we, the drivers that, that did it were, the, you know, top drivers and the, and the car owners were top car owners and the, uh, you know, and, and mechanics were good. And, you know, the thing is, when I say a car owner being good, you know, the car owner has to be able to say, I'm going to spend the money it takes to buy the parts, the right parts, and do and hire the right people to do the job. And that's where a car, that's the difference between a good car owner and just a car owner. And I've I've been blessed with having really good car owners. The the four twenty seven motor that that motor ran from what sixty six sixty seven sixty eight. What were some of the strengths and the weaknesses of that motor, and why did they quit running that engine? Well, the thing is that when Ford did the engine, it was originally done for NASCAR, mm-hmm. and somewhere along the line, somebody didn't read the rule book close enough because there was a huge penalty if it was an overhead cam engine. So being the really couldn't run that engine in NASCAR, they said, well, let's give it to drag racing because that would be the only place it would fit. And once they gave it to drag racing, they really didn't want to spend any more money on it because what it needed, it needed the block, the, the, the cylinder block is basically a 427 high-riser block. And, you know, it's made for seven, 800 horsepower. And by the time we get done with the blower and nitro and so forth, it was probably putting out between 2,500 and 3,000 horsepower. Wow. So consequently, the cylinder block wasn't strong enough. Okay. And it would have taken uh, a program to make an aluminum block. Uh, it would have taken a, a, a little different cylinder head. The head, the, the aluminum cylinder head that Ford had was good, but the problem with it is that in the exhaust port, it had a dog leg. And you run the thing really hard with a lot of blower boost and a, and a lot of nitro in it. It wanted to blow a hole in the exhaust port. So the head had to have a little bit of a redesign there to fix that. And it, at that, in those days, it really required a lot of money. And uh, even though we had quite a few people running running the Ford engine because we had uh, we had the engine in Gas Ronda's funny car in his Mustang besides Lou's car, and uh, there was a fellow up north by the name of Jim Crook that had a, a Don Long car that we built an engine for. You know, you're talking about three or four cars with a camera and 15, 20, 30 cars with Chrysler Hemis. And to get in there and, and design and make a new block, a new cylinder head, you got to have customers. And it's, it would be really hard for people to take their Chryslers and roll them over in the corner and go buy Fords. I see. Let me, let's that, jump. that, that was a project I didn't want to tackle financially myself. I got you. So then everybody just decided to go with, stay with the Hammies and uh, the Keith Black motors and the engines. Well, that, well you, know. you know, it, it got to a point that the Ford ran good. It actually, it, I thought it ran better than the Chrysler 
but the reliability wasn't good because the block wasn't strong enough. Right. And, you know, you'd make so many runs, you'd have to replace the block because the main ways would be all cracked or cylinder walls would be cracked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and Keith made an aluminum block and Mylodon made an aluminum block and Donovan made an aluminum block and it made it easy for everybody that would run in Chrysler's just to change over and put all their components in, in these new aluminum cylinder blocks. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Over the years, you've acquired an amazing amount of knowledge. Have you shared all that knowledge, or is there still a few things in the back of your mind that you kind of just kind of hung on to and you feel, well, let them just kind of figure it out on their own? Or What's your, what's your position on that? No, I, I, I haven't taken that position at all. Okay. Uh, if somebody needs help, I help them. Okay. Uh, if somebody is really serious about what they're doing and they need help, I'm there to help them. Uh, I've done a lot of articles in a lot of different magazines and so forth. I've had a lot of people... Uh, tell me that, was, that one of these days I need to do a book and uh, include all the things that have gone on with all the various engines that we've worked on and a lot of the stories about all the various people that I've come in contact with in the, in the drag racing thing and the midget thing and in the IndyCar thing and the sports car. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, I share, I, I don't, you know, I, I, if there's something I haven't said, it's because I forgot it. Okay. No, no, I'm just curious because some people, yeah. they're always kind of like, well, you know, I there's a few little trade secrets I want to keep to myself and then some people are, are like you real helpful i mean and obviously if you feel find somebody that really really wants to learn and, can, and is deserving of the information you want to share it with them um of no, the, absolutely of the and we got a few minutes left here again of the racing that you participated in between the drag racing and the salt flats and the roundy rounds and the nascar any of them that are kind of like dearest to your heart i mean any of them that you're real more partial. To, I, I presume it's drag racing because that's kind of where you got your roots. But uh, yeah. what are, what is it? What well, would it be? You know, I like all the racing, but you know, the one I like the best is the one I win. Is the one you win? Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, the the, the winners are the ones I like. And like right now, I'd, I'd like to tell you that uh, this week is the Chili Bowl for the midgets in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh huh. And I just like to wish all those guys a lot of luck. I, we've got a lot of customers running there, but I want to wish all of them a lot of luck. Okay, that's fair. That's good. Everybody in all racing and all forms of motorsports. Fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very, very fair statement. You know, the thing is this, that I'm comfortable enough with myself that if somebody needs help, I help them. I don't, I tell them what I need to tell them. I don't hold something back and figure, let them figure it out themselves. Um, one more thing. How about uh, collection of cars? Do you collect any cars? I've got three three cars. I've got a 1936 Ford three-window coupe that a friend of mine, Harry Hibbler, uh, found in a barn in Detroit in 1976 Yeah, that I that I have in my garage, and I got a, uh, a 29 Roadster that's all done that I drive, Yeah, and I, I got a 1974 Mercedes that I bought brand new in 74. Oh, boy. All right, we're just about out of time. Hey, Ed, would you be willing to come on again sometime? Sure, anytime. Meanwhile, everybody else, stay safe, drive carefully, love your family. Tune in next week. Our special guest is Courtney Hansom from PowerBlock TV. Everybody else, we'll see you this weekend at Silver Springs. Bring on to the other.